Hello and welcome to Perspectives. This is the very first episode with Samantha from Watch Concierge Services, which is a business dedicated to all things watch-related, be it buying, selling, or servicing, and everything in between. In this episode, Sam and I discuss why you might like to buy and wear a watch, whether the watch industry is starting to cater for women more now, what to look out for when selecting a watch, how you can get involved in the watch community if you're an enthusiast, and much more. Without further ado, this is Perspectives. for joining me on the podcast really appreciate your time with this can we start with learning a bit about you and your background sure so i've been working in the watch industry for 16 years i think it works out as no i don't look old enough i started at brightling in tumbridge wells where i'm based in kemp the uk service center for brightling's here so i think there's about 40 watchmakers and and Majority of watches, broken watches in the UK go back to that service centre. So I was working there, sort of customer service, managing the parts department, a bit of operations. Went on to Bremont and Henley, did a sort of similar sort of role there, where Bremont was still quite young. So it's nice seeing them grow. I then went on to work with a friend who had an Amiga certified service centre, which I sort of helped run. And they also sold some, some pre owned watches. So it was kind of an introduction to, to sort of the pre owned side of things as well. And then I came up with the idea for my business, uh, Watch Concierge Services, three years ago. So lockdown cliche, lockdown one, banana bread, lockdown two, start a business. And then sort of got the ball rolling part-time with the job I was in at the time. um, And then went full-time with it in August last year. So your concierge business, what, what exactly do you do within that then? Um, I like to say anything to do with watches that you can think of, I should be able to help. Sounds like you don't have much experience in the watch industry. Only only seventeen days in <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, something like that. Um, I guess the time I spent in the industry has allowed me to get like a really big um, network. You know, I've worked closely with watchmakers and people move around, move jobs, say lots of different brands, lots of different people, lots of different expertise. And then so where I'm at at the moment, yeah, you can come to me with any query. If I can't help, then I can put you in touch with somebody that can. So bulk of it is sort of selling pre-owned watches at the moment i can also get a hold of like brand new watches i can also help with servicing vintage restoration custom made straps safes accessories um insurance yeah shipping anything you think of amazing does sound quite diverse i find that watches divide opinion a lot of the time so some people really love watches some people find them pointless why would you want to spend money on something when you have the time on your phone you've got things like the wearables that have really made a resurgence in the last few years so apple watch your fitbits everything like that and to be honest i'm quite guilty of just picking up my phone and looking at the time rather than looking at my wrist that might be because i struggle to tell the time a lot of the time but i probably shouldn't admit that on a podcast (laughs) but i mean you can spend in excess of you know, you can spend everything from like £10 through to £100,000 plus if you have the means to do so and the desire. 
And I've heard of watches being referred to as wearable art by some in the past. Is that something you might agree with? Yeah, definitely. I think there are yeah lots of different reasons why people wear, I guess I'd say more luxury watches. It's different, difficult to put a price point on it because you can get some really well-made watches. I would I'd probably say for a price point, £500, maybe, yeah, something like that. But me personally, it comes down to sentiment quite a bit. There's something about... I guess we're initially sort of buying a brand, buying into a brand, why are you buying it to their values align with yours? Obviously, you're going to like the look of it. And then once you start wearing it, it's something that's on your wrist, it's so close to you, you're spending so much time on it, it's going on adventures with you. You know, again, if you are lucky enough to have multiple watches, it's that option of being like, right, what mood am I in today? Or what activity am I doing today? Or what outfit am I wearing today? And and having the fun element of being able to match your watch to that. Yeah. And I guess what's it like a reflection of personality as well, isn't it? You know, you can choose, yeah, choose fun watches if you kind of, yeah, in a, in a, a fun actor kind of person, if you're all sort of classic or conserves, there are beautiful dress watches out there. And especially for men, I think as well, it's another yeah, expression that where women might choose jewellery is, you know, it's a nice accessory for men. Yeah, 100%. You touched on sentiment there, and I think that's kind of a big, big one for me as well. That's my father gifted me quite a few watches maybe two or three and i wouldn't ever sell them they are some of the really beautiful sort of old 50s 60s dress watches and others are you know 70s kind of retro cool sort of tv dial style watches and i just they draw a lot of attention for for the right reasons as well i think some can draw attention for the wrong reasons but yeah i, I really like the idea of having a watch as, as a sort of an heirloom and as a, as a sentimental piece so, so if you saw a watch you liked, what would motivate you to buy a particular watch? Is there anything you particularly look out for? You mentioned history of the brand. You mentioned things like their values, if you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, another watch that I've got brilliantly prepared to hand, um, I've got an Oris uh, Aquis. And I should probably sort of add in here, I always say I'm not like a watch collector. I always say I'm an enthusiast. I don't sort of buy a lot. I'm quite sort of I don't buy and sell a lot when I buy it. It's kind of quiet to keep. And the Oris, I've been to a few events. Love the events they did. I love what they stand for. They do a lot around sustainability. And I was going on a holiday to New Zealand and I wanted like a, an active dive watch. And it, it, yeah, it took a while for me to kind of put everything together and like which watch would I, you know, is going to kind of do the job. And also it's a year of value for money. And I very nearly bought a Tudor Black Bay 58, which I still think is a fantastic watch for the money. The Oris Aquis ticked a lot of the same boxes, but it was a little bit bit cheaper. I don't like the look of it as well. It's just got a really nice kind of smoky green, grey dial. And then, yeah, from a sentiment point of, point of view, it went to New Zealand with me and they went on all these adventures and yeah, lots to consider. I got I got given a, a Casio G-Shock by my other half and I must admit, it's, I think it was about £90 as a watch, but I absolutely love it. I, I wore it for sort of maybe three months straight at one time. Not, I obviously took it off. I'm not that dirty, but um, I, I did wear it for a long time just because I never really felt it on my wrist and I thought it was such a useful watch to have. So you can have things that are expensive in your collection. With the Aquis, that's just under £2,000, I think they retail for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can have ones that are sort of you know £90 and you get just as much enjoyment out of both depending on what you're doing with it. I, with my Christopher Ward, I was an engineer at the time and I was 
working on some different setups for tests and the amount of times I hit my watch and it was just so painful. Yeah. It made me cringe every time and now the bezel's all scratched up. But you don't want something that's immaculate all the time because to me those sort of, as cheesy and cliche as it sounds, those sort of scratches and dings, they've all got a bit of a story to them. And, and the Casio is great in that respect because you can't break it at all. Like No matter how many times you scrape it against the wall, it's fine. Like It's bomb-proof. Yeah. And that's what they're known for. Um, so if you're a bit clumsy like yeah. me, then I'm you probably going. would <laughs> want to go for something like a Casio G-Shock. Yeah. I think there are a lot of watches that, you know, if you do want to sort of treat yourself to a, a nice little luxury watch, there are a lot of watches that tick all the boxes. But there is something nice about maybe having three, you know, three watches. Actually, I'd probably rotate between three. One that's kind of your waterproof adventure watch you know one that's a little bit dressier or again if you want something vintage that's got the heritage and the kind of history behind it yeah and then like saying depending on your mood or activity you can kind of rotate yeah so i've always i've always seen sort of watches and cars go together quite hand in hand um perhaps that's something to do with like the history of motorsport sort of heritage with the brands like hoyer and or tag hoyers i know now with their sort of formula one watches they've got the carrera and the monaco with that said, do you think that historically watch brands tended to be more male orientated in what they produce and, and market? Yeah, I think so. I saw this recently. I went to a Amiga Her Time exhibition, and uh, sort of the idea of a wristwatch really became about for for women. You know, men had their pocket watches, and the wristwatches were for for the women. But I think over time, I don't know where where it would have kind of changed. Maybe a lot of military war watches maybe that's kind of where it parted a bit but i think especially where we are now or say maybe 10 years ago i think it's again started to change a bit now but you know the mechanics of a, a mechanical watch you know 250 moving components you know no battery it's just on on wheels and cogs there's a lot of similarities between the mechanical watch and, a, and a, you know the mechanics of a car as well so i think there is a natural uh, interest from a male perspective and obviously from a marketing campaign and, and, and a you know, real sort of passion for that kind of thing, uh, watching cars go really hand in hand. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a caveman in that I, if I poke something, I expect it to move. So anything mechanical, I like. <laughs> I like watching how it moves and turns. Whereas I think, <laughs> yeah, apart from quartz, so <laughs> still have no idea how they work. Um, yeah, no, no. I don't get up to Grand Seiko. That's like a whole other yeah. like, <laughs> black magic. <laughs> You mentioned that you you went to a her time sort of Omega thing. So have you seen that brands are starting to begin to cater for women a bit more now? Yeah, I think they're kind of waking up to it a bit. I I mean, part of the community I'm in, there are lots of women watch enthusiasts, um, and it is growing. I think there's a phrase again that's it's kind of phasing out, but you know, pink it and shrink it. You know, they watch brand would take a a watch and just make it smaller with a pink diamond diamonds on it and put a quartz movement because you know Some women can't understand it. how mechanical movement would work so they just you know they take them out actually the protect Philip nautilus you know that's quite a, a good example you don't get many small automatic nautilus watches they'll just put a quartz movement inside and you know we know that we can put big small mechanical uh, movements but it's not to change i think again kind of educationally women are interested in mechanics as well and you know, if they do have three thousand pounds to spend on a watch, you know, they, you know, from an education point of view, yes, it's three thousand pounds because you've got all this work, you know, craftsmanship, not just because it's got three thousand pounds worth of diamonds on the dial. So it's getting there. I think it's getting there. 
Yeah, that's that that the diamond stuff that you still see a a lot of American rappers with lots of bling on their wrist. Yes. Questionable taste a lot of the time, but each their own, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say about they make it smaller and make it pink because I actually got my partner a pink watch for Christmas. I, but I, got, I got her a Seiko Passage, um, uh, really, really nice watch. Yeah. And actually, there's a bit of a funny story behind this because I didn't want to let on that I was getting her a watch and I wanted to make sure that it would fit her. And we're quite similar in sort of proportions in terms of, you know, wrist size and things like that. She's a similar height to me as well. So I was like, okay, I'll size the the watch based on my wrist. And it wasn't until Christmas Day when I gave it to her that I realized it was too small for her. And I do, in fact, have smaller wrists than my other half. <laughs> so actually, it's now opened my eyes a bit more to, and it was at a recent sort of meet. Uh, we can maybe talk about the community aspect in a minute. But there was a recent sort of watch meet where I tried on the Cartier Santos, but the 24 mil version. So it's actually a lady's watch but absolutely fell in love with it because it fit me so well because i have such small wrists i find a lot of men's watches look a bit silly on me because i mean this the dive watch i've got at the moment is probably as big as i'd go and i think that's maybe like 41 mil but anything bigger than that it it just looks just looks silly really so ladies watches are a godsend in the sense that the smaller sizes look a lot better on my wrists and it shouldn't just be a i mean a lot of watches are unisex now anyway as long as it's not completely blinged out with diamonds and looks a bit bit garish which i think a lot of ladies watches do yeah because i think they just either miss the mark slightly or as you say they just make it smaller and make it pink which doesn't always work with a lot of the watches yeah 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 is there is there like a rule regarding sizing your watches appropriately um probably no it's uh i mean i'm definitely towards using you know unisex watches more um you know, sometimes you got you, you know, you want to go to a watch website and you want to scroll watches, and it's just like men's or ladies, and you're like, okay, well, what there's well I want. Um, so definitely sort of filtering, filtering and sorting by size as opposed to gender. Um, and I think it just opens up, you know, have you ever gone to a sunglasses shop and you've not quite worked out whether you're looking at the male or female sunglasses? Yeah, you know, that kind of awkwardness. Um, and even working in, in, a, in a retail watch shop, again, I've had somebody. A, a gent pick up a watch, uh, a Satina, a mid-sized Satina. He's like, oh, I really like that. And then there was a label next to it that said ladies' watches. And he was like, oh, actually, no, no, I don't. And then was like, yeah, that's okay, weird. if you like yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, although I'm just sort of joking about, you know, putting diamonds on it, again, if, if, you, if you like it, if you're a male, if you're female, you like it, ultimately buy, buy what you want. I think trends are starting to go, yeah, crossing over. Women are wearing bigger watches, and I think men are starting to wear slightly smaller watches. There's a chap I follow on Instagram, Mr. A, and he wears a lot of vintage, small stone dials, like Piaget's. And again, maybe vintage is difficult, really, because vintage men's watches are quite a bit smaller as well. So it's just kind of, yeah, opening up, ultimately wear, wear what you like <laughs> and try, try everything on as well. It's a bit like fragrance, I suppose, because there was a lot of fragrances which are, you know, they're labelled as men's or women's, but there's quite a crossover between the two. I know there's some quite famous individuals who used to wear like women's perfumes. I think I Sean that. Connery used to wear something like uh, Jicky by Galien. And that's a that's a that's a female fragrance on the I've bottle, heard that. so to speak. But it depends what works for you. I suppose fragrance is quite unique in the sense that sometimes it smells horrible out the bottle, but then you put it on your skin and it smells really good. And it can be completely around the, the other way as well. So you can try some fragrance on and it smells nice out of the bottle, but it just doesn't quite work on you and I think that's probably 
quite a good parallel to make with watches really in that if it looks good on your wrist then it doesn't matter what it's labeled as you should just if you like it try it if it works for you then go for it yeah yeah i think uh, going to touch on the community side of it a bit i don't think anyone's going to say to you like oh i like your watch but like oh it's a shame it's you know a girl's watch and you're a boy or is it? i don't think everyone's a lot more accepting of like yeah no it's really cool it's great on you <laughs> so, so you mentioned about sort of community and you said you've been to some events with different sort of women in the industry with the her time thing uh, what what are you talking about in terms of community what sort of could people get involved in if they wanted to learn a bit more about that sort of thing yeah um i mean again so going back a little bit i think sort of the pandemic and instagram has created this huge boom around watches sort of pre-pandemic i used to follow sort of some journalists on instagram and a few other watch accounts and then all of a sudden everyone's like you know they might be a watch enthusiast that their day-to-day friends don't really get it and you'll find that people have their, their personal instagram accounts and then they'll have a watch account so there's a real online community that kind of sprung up from that and then me personally oh how long ago would it have been five six years ago maybe i think i joined red bar which is a global watch community it started in new york and then there's chapters all over the world Actually, when I was in New Zealand, I just sort of messaged Red Bar Auckland and was like, hey, can I hang out with you? And I just went and, yeah, hung out and, yeah, that was great. So, yeah, you can sort of sign up for any, any local chapter. Events team, team tend to alternate between brand events where uh, a brand will go on an event and you go along, play with the watches, and they'll do, do a little talk. Or we have just general meetups where it would be sort of a secure room in a, in a pub and members can just bring along as many watches as they feel comfortable doing so and again it's you could have a you know 50 pound seiko that you found in a boot fair where you could have a hundred thousand pound mbnf and members get equally excited you know there's no kind of flashiness and that's yeah really nice yeah I, i've been to a couple of these and that's that's actually how i met uh met you isn't it sam so then i went to a couple of these red bar meets and i was actually very surprised at what you just alluded to there in that you could i was a bit skeptical to go out because i didn't really have a, a ma- majorly flash watch and i thought well, you know if i don't have anything that's sort of more than a you know a thousand pound i probably shouldn't bother going but it, it was really really nice just a genuine group of people who are enthusiastic about watches and it was a chance to just nerd out over things discover some brands that you'd never heard of before see some pieces that you perhaps may never get to hold or see in your life a because they're so rare b because they probably cost a lot of money and, and there were a couple that were you know there some you know more expensive ones in there but there was equally some very interesting micro brands coming through and it's really opened my eyes to different brands that are out there and being able to try different things on and, and see actually if you is a watch you're interested in you know will it work on my wrist and it's just such a nice environment to be able to do that so yes i'd, I'd highly highly recommend anyone who's into their watches or even just curious about it see if you can get signed up for a, for a chapter local to you and i'm sure you won't regret it yeah i think london red bar london they've paused membership at the moment because it's just got so big but we've got ico run red bar southeast which covers kent sorry sussex essex and um, there's an oxford cambridge bristol northeast i think glasgow edinburgh I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> and going on. <laughs> so the UK is pretty well covered. <laughs> yeah. And even if, you, even if you're not, I'm sure you can look it up on, do they have a website where you could look up and, and sort of find a, a chapter local to you? It's not quite linked yet, I don't think. It's a case of putting like 
it's mainly like quite Instagram based. It's a case of putting like red bar into Instagram and sort of working just out where your local what, one. See what comes up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, so if I was looking to get into watches or perhaps buy my first watch, are there any brands in particular that you'd recommend looking into? Maybe from a from a sort of starting at a low price point and and working a way up. Yeah. Um. Diff- I say difficult. Well, it's it's quite personal, and I say the reasons behind buying a brand are you know so many and price points. There's an element where I say for sort of longevity, I personally prefer like a mechanical watch or an automatic watch over a quartz watch. And I saying saying that it depends on on again your lifestyle and things, but quartz watches would probably maybe last sort of 30, 40 years, 20, 30 years. It's a bit like a mobile phone. You'd expect to, you know, swap that out. Whereas, you know, we're still repairing and wearing mechanical watches that are sort of 100 years old. So that's kind of the main consideration. Again, maybe sort of looking at brands that are easy to repair going forward. So anything with like a Swiss movement, an ETA movement, it's, you know, again, longevity is, quite, you know, it's pretty solid, well-made movement. So like, you know, you can get some sort of, Seiko watches or, or move uh, watches with Seiko movements that for the price point, you know, run well. Their accuracy tends to be not quite as good as the Swiss movements. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Hamilton's a big favorite. I think you can get a khaki field for three, four hundred pounds. So you go, they might go up to 700 for an automatic. Um, Hamilton's a big favorite. Pre-owned watches, you know, you could probably pick up a pre-owned Amiga for a good price. That's a really solid watch. Yeah, after the sake of the so many, yeah, so many micro brands as well, and yeah, it's a rabbit hole. So many, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I really that uh, Baltic really caught my eye. So there's a Baltic watch. They they're a French brand. They do one called the MR01, and it has just got the most beautifully finished dial. It's it's sort of a bead blasted finish, and it's got a small sub dial. Uh, and I think you could, how much I think you pick them up for like four five hundred pound again, something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah well, there's been a bit of a when they get released, it's, everyone kind of jumps on it and they sell out quite quickly. But yeah, <laughs> if you can get one, get yeah. yourself on the pre order list. <laughs> Definitely. Actually, Studio Underdog there, and I think they might have just put their prices up. But I think again, if you can get hold of one, they're a really cool brand, British brand, really nice guy called Richard. I think they start yeah. about five, six hundred pounds for a mechanical watch as well. Really cool. Yeah, I really like them. They've done some quite quirky designs and colorways, haven't they? They did like a, was it a watermelon watch they did? Yeah, yeah. And then watermelon they did a, a strawberries and cream, mint chalk tip. I think the watermelon's probably still my favorite. I got a chance to wear one. The watermelon's cool. Well. And, and an aubergine one that was purple with uh, like a light cream almost. Do you see the aubergine one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just playful yeah. again. That, that's yeah, like that's that. nice. I think playfulness is quite a good thing if you're... Uh, I think Swatch do some quite nice watches as well in terms of... If you're looking for something quite cheap and you're looking for something a bit quirky, done, uh, they've just released like an art lineup. So uh, do you know the artist who did the Great Wave painting? Oh, yes. I can't Japanese remember what the guy's... Yeah, artist. I, I can't yeah. remember what the, the name is, but they've done uh, like a part of the Great Wave Put that on a watch. They've done some pop art style watches. They've done uh, Rene Magritte, so the, the chap with the bowler hat. Then Apple. I, d- I don't know too much about art, to be honest. I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know much about art. But they, yeah, they do. I think there's like a they do a lot of collaborations. I think there's a like a hashtag Swatch loves art, and then it'll bring. That was it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. there was the very, very popular Omega collaboration with Swatch as well when they did the Moon Swatch. They're now going. Just note for anyone listening here: do not pay more than yeah, nah. was it three hundred pound? I think it was 
do not pay any more than that for him because he's being ripped <laughs> off, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the sneaker hype, wasn't it? It's terrible. Like £1,500. You can, you can. Like, you should be able what? to get hold of them now. So, someone went, the day before they came out, a client of mine offered to pay me £400 on top of the cost of the watch to go and stand in the queue. Wow. And I was tempted, and then I saw the hype, <laughs> and I was like, no, not doing it, sorry, mate. <laughs> well, the queue was like over a mile long, wasn't it, something like yeah. that? I, I saw a video of the queue, and I was like, nah. I like them, but I wouldn't stand a queue for that long. Yeah. I think from a marketing point of view, I mean, the, the watch itself is amazing. It's, you know, again, anyone that's listening that's not familiar with it, the Amiga Moon watch is really iconic, and then they swatch made a plastic version of it. And so that's, I think, marketing was all tick, tick, tick. But also, we don't want to blame one journalist. There was one journalist in particular that I think probably paid by swatch to be photographed camping outside two right. days before. And then as soon as that photo was leaked, that's when everybody started turning up. And then he, that two days on the release, he posted a video like, oh, I'm here to buy my Moon swatch. Here's your bag. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was obviously a bit staged. Didn't look too dishevelled then after being yeah, camped exactly. outside for, for two days. Exactly. No, um, not buying so, it. Yeah. No, really. So, no, I, no, I'm kind of blaming him for the hype. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So so the Moonwatch is yeah. That's uh, it's a pretty iconic watch, really, wasn't it? So it it was it's a watch you can pay three four thousand pound for, but you can get it in a plastic version, which looks very very similar. Uh, obviously, the the movement's very different, and it's a, it's plastic and what's well, bio ceramic the material that they're made out of. But you know, it's got all the stickers and everything to to basically replicate the look of the originals. And it's an indoors product as well, so that's probably why there was a lot of hype behind it because you can get it for you know a fraction of the price considering what you pay for the main thing. On the point of buying watches, then I know that obviously Rolex has, has had a massive uh, growth since lockdown really and that's inevitably brought the rise of a lot of fake watches as well I think we're long gone of the days where you're you're buying a Breitling off a off a guy in a beach in Tenerife but <laughs> the, the fakes are getting a lot more sophisticated now and and you know I spoke to someone who paid he paid 600 pound for a fake Rolex and I'm like, that, that's not a that's not a small amount of money for a fake watch so what what could people do if they're looking to buy a watch that's maybe a bit more expensive, maybe something like a, an Amiga a Rolex or something of a, of a similar sort of price range? How can they protect themselves against you know the, the fakes of the world and make sure they're buying from you know, buying the real deal? Yeah, um, I mean, first off, if you know buying from an authorized retailer, so any of the brands' websites, you can go on there and it'll list the authorized retailers, and um, so that's when you'll know you're getting it direct, you know, directly effectively from from the brand um or yeah a retailer um and you're gonna you're gonna be fine there are obviously great market retailers out there uh, or pre-owned uh watches again if you are buying from somewhere that's sort of a, a great market or pre-owned to kind of do your research you know are they google reviews are they trustworthy is there anyone else that you know that's used them once you've actually purchased the watch they should you know is there again any refund policy you know if you take it somewhere and it's not what it turns out to be, can you take it back to them? Some people will actually, again, if you say to them, I do want to go and get it checked out uh, independently, they'll they'll allow that. And again, there are sort of independent or authorized watchmakers out there. So you could go to a, a grey market retailer, pick up your Rolex. You could then take it along. You know, even Rolex have got workshops all over the country, but you know, it's uh, one in, in central London as well. And it, you can get it authenticated by the brand themselves or in, again as independent watchmakers that are really experienced they know what they're looking at majority of them just from looking at it you can tell but Rolex in particular 
they're getting the counterfeits are getting so good that really you want an experienced watchmaker to take the case back off and only when the case backs off and they're looking at the movement can they really be sure that it's a genuine watch yeah it is is wild to see some of the some of the fakes that are coming out now i've seen some videos on youtube literally with the real thing comparing it's fake and down to the minutiae it's the detail on some of these fakes is incredible it's quite scary really it just shows you what they can do and you know as soon as there's a new release there's going to be an abundance of people replicating them with fakes and things like that yeah yeah purely because of the the price tag they yield really yeah going back to that boom in the market so the the rolex boom especially what do you think you know i think as a whole watches seem to have grown sort of exponentially in sort of popularity i think youtubers have made that watches are a lot more accessible now so barker jack agent barker he's doing some great work jenny l i think is another one i watch quite regularly and then there's the irish chap um nico leonard okay yeah so he's all very different approaches to talking about watches uh, obviously the latter's a lot more about sort of entertainment but he's you know clearly a very very knowledgeable uh, guy when it comes to watches is there anything else that you think has caused that boom do you think they've they've contributed to it or you mentioned lockdown earlier might have a have an impact on it yeah i think lockdown had an impact in you know purchasing watches people couldn't travel and i think say again you know they're on instagram they're online i think watches of wonders was an online watches of wonders that a sort of a watch trade show i guess and there was an online show in march 2020 so again that was a lot of yeah interest where people sat around watching that so that helped i think in terms of the rolex boom I've got my own theory on that. I haven't, I haven't done too much research. I just think I had through it is. Say it. <laughs> but, you know, prices were, and they still are, over retail. So, you know, you can't go into a store and buy, buy Samarina. And because there's a wait for it, if you do get a, a Samarina, you can then, you know, walk out the store and sell it on for, for a big profit. And um, people were cottoning onto this and, and, you know, we like to call it flipping watches. And then I think... My, my sort of theory is that there was a, a number of reports in publications, you know, like the Financial Times, the Art Watch publications, their their financial publications that says, you know, kind of, hey, watch collecting is is the new investment. You know, your returns are going to be far bigger than, than anything else. You know, if you can get your hands on a, a nine thousand pounds Daytona, you can sell it for twenty five, thirty thousand, and that kind of you know turnover, people were then buying a Daytona at. Really, eleven, twelve, thirteen thousand, and and selling it, and so then it was just fueling this grey pre-owned Rolex double, where people who previously weren't that into watches were literally just buying them from an investment point of view and not wearing them. And then I think yeah, the bubble kind of burst a little bit. Prices definitely dropped. Uh, I think they're kind of settling now, but they're not. It it just got sky high. Yeah, that's my theory. <laughs> yeah, they did get quite ridiculous. Uh, interesting you say that because I've I've got a. Uh, two people I know, I work with both of them, and one of them, they've both got Daytonas. One of them has bought the Daytona as, I think, more of an investment piece. So he's got it in a safe at home, and he doesn't, only comes out on very special occasions. Whereas the other bought it a number of years ago, I think he got it for six to seven thousand pounds. So very cheap for a, for a Daytona at the time. And he wears it every day. That's his everyday watch. And I remember talking to him about it, and he said, a lot of people are saying, do you know what you've got in your wrist? How much it's worth? You know, that's sort of twenty, thirty thousand pounds worth of watch you've got on your wrist like why do you sell it and i always his response always sticks with me because i I love it and it kind of epitomizes you know there's two ways you can go about it it epitomizes to me the real reason like why you'd want to wear a watch and he just said if i sold it then i wouldn't have a watch and i was like that's a fair point you know he's (laughs) 
you could be making twenty thousand pound on it, but he wouldn't have a watch. And you know, yes, you can replace it, but to him, that's his watch, and he wants to wear it, which I think is is really nice. Um, and you see it a lot with with cars as well. You know, people buy expensive cars, and you see people that drive that really drive them hard, <laughs> and you have other people who keep them in sort of car carcoons, they're called, so they're like. So they're, they're basically, you can park your car in them and they're inflate and they're temperature controlled and humidity controlled. Yeah, I think, well, the main company that do is called like Carcoon. So yeah, a cocoon effectively for your car. So I don't blame, you know, I don't blame the person who keeps it in the safe because especially with the, the amount of thefts going on and stuff in central London with, with brands like that, it's not a, a not one against the other. I just think it's interesting how you have two different approaches to either collecting or just owning a watch of for certain value yeah i guess maybe that's the the, the joy of watches you know where people invest in in whiskey and then never drink it that that kind of blows my yeah. mind a little bit <laughs> like, you're, you're buying it it's purely investment you're never going to get to enjoy it yeah yeah whereas you know and it's like like an iphone you know you're, you're using it every day but you you're replacing it you're throwing it out and there's no real sentimental value there whereas watches kind of sit nicely yeah yeah, and again, I think for a lot of people, I think you know, spending a thousand pound on a watch is a lot of money, but they'll go out and spend one thousand pound on a on a brand new iPhone, and it's it's kind of all relative, I suppose, which they're then going to throw away in a couple of years. So it's all it's all priorities and relativity. The same with anything, I think. Once you get into something that interests you and that passion, like you're passionate about, or you know, is a hobby, yeah. then you find out. I have a theory that it's not until you get into a hobby that you realise how much money and how deep the rabbit hole goes with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy what you can do. You used to do what I do, work work in the work in the industry and then you you know, you get to enjoy it. And then you just get to wear them all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, you've got it you've got it good. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think I'll have to take a leaf out of your book in the future and just see where I can slot do myself that. in the watch industry. Yeah, there's jobs going, we'll find one. <laughs> yeah. So on Watches and Wonders, you mentioned that show. So it's the trade show where all the big brands release their new displays and their new releases. I've seen that Rolex have released, they've done something very different this year and something that they don't normally do, and that's they've gone a bit more playful. So I think Rolex is known traditionally as being quite serious and quite, you know, they do they do what they do and they do it very well. Uh, but this year, it's, they seem to have sort of shaken up and I think it's divided a lot of people. So the, the releases of the Oyster Perpetuals, so one's got the puzzle coloured dial and the other one's got the, they look like little balls basically, but they are to signify all the dial colours in the Oyster Perpetual range as of 2012, I think. Yeah, it that might be 2012. Could yeah. be wrong. But yeah, what do you what do you think of the new? I don't love them. It's not. I guess it's not. I don't know. It's nice to see them do something more playful, a bit different. Traditionally, they are always quite you know boring. They just change like by a millimetre, and that's about it. And actually, when the Oyster Perpetual coloured dials came out, people absolutely loved them. So yeah, why not kind of play on that? I also think. The with the Tiffany dial in particular, everyone went mad for. Well, that's not actual Tiffany. The blue turquoise blue, everyone went mad for. So I think it's a way of re-releasing because the, the both. I think the puzzle one as well, definitely the the bubble one, the the background color is that Tiffany blue. I think isn't it with all the other colors on top. So I think that's a clever way of just being like, hey, we know you like this color. Look, we've got another one for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, maybe they will start to come a bit more more playful. I think they always used to sort of lean on and Tudor, little baby brother, just to kind of put out the, the slightly different, more playful stuff. But yeah, maybe they are starting to go. What did you think of them? I did not like them, in in all honesty. The the dial, the the balls one, was not 
too bad. But again, it's one of those ones where it's like, here's a watch that you can't buy unless you've been on the, the waiting list for like four years already. Yeah. And, or you have four or five other Rolexes. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's again, it's they're, they're nice to look at. Some of them, not the puzzle one. I, I, I'm not really too sure what they were trying to achieve with that, but it's just a matter of opinion really for me. But yeah, the Oyster Petrol I love, and this would be one I'd love to get, would be there's a they do a purple coloured grape dial Oyster Petrol and the rhodium dial. Uh, it just looks so cool. Uh, on the subject of cool dials, actually, I really like what uh, you, you mentioned the Oris earlier. The Aquis that they do. So Oris do a, a watch called the Aquis, but they do it with a, a recycled plastic dial. Yeah. So I think that that's playful, but it's also very, very cool as well because you get such a good watch. You get a unique dial. So the one you buy will be personal to you because no other dial will look the same just because of the way they manufacture it. And you can get it for less than £2,000. Whereas the Rolex, you have to go on a wait list for so many years, buy so many Rolexes before you can even go on the wait list. And, and then you're lucky then if you, even if you can get hold of one. And it doesn't look as good, in my opinion. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen like enough photos of the Rolex, but they seem to be just like, they're just painted dials, you know. Patek or JLC were doing these beautiful like enamel dials, detailed you know, real craftsmanship, and it is just kind of these painted blobs. And then, like I say, Oris, you know, recycled. Even my dial is, you know, the grey green is a little bit more interesting. So, um, yes, lots of other. I do like, I do like the grey one. The grey one looks nice, and the green. Yeah. I need a green watch in my life. I've decided. I'll say that's the next purchase. Actually, they've <laughs> picking on, on dial textures, colours. I got hands on with a Moser recently, and got like a. Again, kind of greedy uh, dial, brushed, vertical brush dial. But as you turn it in one light, it's black. And then as soon as you turn it, it's like bright green. And it's just so clever. So, yes, really gorgeous. Uh, Mo- Moser did some, they did something really interesting with the world's blackest material. I think it's called Vanta Black. And they made a watch out of that with black hands. But the hands on the watch look almost grey because the background dial is so dark that it just makes everything else look gray effectively uh, so that was that was really interesting they do they do some very very interesting pieces they do one that replicates the apple watch as well i think moser did that one didn't they yeah love uh, that that's... yeah they made one of cheese they made one out of cheese what Yes, they did. They, yes, yeah. It was years ago i think it was when i was, like first yeah. heard of them so i was a bit like really and then i heard it again recently i was like oh no that was them no they they made it out they made it out of cheese or made one yeah yeah made a watch out of cheese wow yeah um, I'm not sure so go back to Apple Watch that was very cool because yeah that's the Philly mechanical watch with a Philly blacked out dial which is just a minute repeater isn't it so I think you can only tell the time with it by pressing it okay. so yeah not that I'm sure I'm sure there's a joke about cheese or like spending too much cheddar on a, on a cheese watch no, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to stop there. <laughs> Cheesy twist jokes, yeah. Cheesy twist, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this one up then. Thank you okay. very much for your time, Sam. Um, if people want to find out a little bit more about your concierge services, where can they go and how can they find out a little bit more about what you do? Yep, so the website is watchconciergeservices.com uh, and on Instagram uh, at watchconciergeservices. And then that is all very professional, showing the services I do, watches I've got for sale. But it also links through to my other Instagram account, which is Time on Her Hands, which is just me having fun with watches, really, which is um, the more personal side of watches as opposed to just the boring business stuff. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.